Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky was left fuming this week after his country's hopes of quickly joining NATO were dashed during a meeting of the military alliance in Lithuania. Now, Zelensky went to Lithuania with high expectations of an assurance that his country would join NATO after the war with Russia was over. Instead, NATO was non-committal, simply telling Ukraine that it would be invited to become a member, and I quote, when allies agree and conditions are met. After an angry Zelensky called the NATO position absurd. A diplomatic row ensued when UK Defence Secretary Ben Wallace said Ukraine should show more gratitude for the support it had already been given. Now let's talk more about this. We're joined on the line by Dennis River, a security researcher with the Institute for Security Studies. Good morning to you, Dennis, and thank you so much for your time. Good morning and, and good morning to your listeners. And it's certainly an interesting turn of events because, uh, you know, judging by the tweet that we saw, I don't think the Ukrainian president expected this. Uh, Not not necessarily, no. Um, I think the main issue here is that for the longest time, Ukraine expected some clarity, as you mentioned, about its accession into into NATO. Uh, But it seems to be that there is a common position among at least some members of NATO that... Uh, Ukrainian membership is impossible as long as the war continues. Um, I, th- I think, in part, uh, we can say that Zelensky tried to force uh, NATO to discuss this publicly, and that was not well received by some of the members, uh, especially the US, with Biden's comments uh, ahead of the summit and um, Ben Wallace's comments during the summit. Uh, but uh, I think. Ultimately, the outcomes of, of the NATO summit were still quite positive for NATO and for Ukraine, but not quite what Ukraine expected. And, and, and I think one of the things, of course, there, when, when one sees the developments in that regard, is that also, um, you know, there the seems to be a Ukraine that is saying, tell us what are some of these conditions, give us some certainty, tell us when exactly, give us the date of when we can be part of NATO. Yes, um, I think the the uh, what, what the one positive that we've seen from from the NATO summit is the the assurances from uh, from NATO that um, Ukraine will follow a simple procedure to 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 the accession, um, akin to Finland and Sweden, because usually the uh, the whole process is quite bureaucratic and lengthy, and some of the other countries had to go through a very rigorous, difficult process. Um, so in that regard, uh, that is a positive. But yes, as you mentioned, uh, there is still no clarity about the deadlines and and the exact measures that are required from Ukraine at this moment in time. And um, frankly, there is no really an explanation of why these uh, these uh, this information has not been provided or hasn't been discussed, at least not publicly, um, at this point. And and how do you think, though, this non-committal position by NATO could be viewed by the Kremlin? Well, uh, internationally, I think some, we've seen some of the major uh, government-run organizations like Sputnik and RT uh, make public comments about uh, fractures within NATO. Uh, and there seems to be this, this idea that um, uh, they try to point to the fact that NATO is not committing to Ukraine, but internally within Russia, the mood has been <clears throat> very different. Uh, we've seen 
some public speakers um, being quite concerned about the security guarantees that Ukraine received. There seems to be a general understanding that Ukraine will join NATO after the end of the war, regardless of uh, the current mishaps. So I think publicly, in, uh, externally, internationally, there was an attempt to create this this image of fracture, but but domestically, internally, they're quite concerned. Now, when it comes to, of course, this particular membership for, for, for the Ukraine, tell us what exactly it would mean for it to be part of this alliance. Oh, that's actually a good question. Um, because essentially, the, the benefit of being part of NATO comes down to primarily to the Article 5 of the alliance that guarantees uh, a common security. Um, so essentially, of course, being part of NATO means you're under the umbrella of this uh, joint common security. Um, ultimately, the country needs to follow certain rules and guidelines in terms of the spending uh, on, on, as part of the GDP on the military, uh, the structure of the military, some military reforms and some uh, government reforms that need to be conducted. But, but the, the gist of it is, is the Article 5 that yeah. is the most important part. Mm, and, 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 and quite a lot of talk around the Article 5. But do you think that um, the, this, this, kind, this, this particular membership and Ukraine's membership, that is, of, of NATO, of course, trying to, to get in there, could be somehow used as a bargaining chip for post-war negotiations with Russia? Uh, it can be, yes. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> we know that the war will end eventually. We don't know how it will end, mm. on which conditions and who will win. Um, certainly, perhaps, it would be possible to negotiate some sort of security guarantees uh, for Russia that would also um, include Ukraine not joining NATO. Although at this moment in time, after almost two years of war, it's difficult to see uh, Ukraine not seeking this membership and, and NATO not seeking Ukrainian membership in the alliance. Um, but we, we stand, we will wait and see how, how the, uh, the war will play out. Mm, and, and, you know, just before I let you go, there's also something else that um, a lot of people are wondering that, you know, why is the decision uh, by the United States to send cluster bombs to Ukraine causing ructions, though, within, uh, you know, NATO as well as Russia? There is a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to cluster munition. Uh, to start with, both Ukraine and Russia are already using cluster munition in this war. So it's not necessarily a question of new weapons arriving at the battlefield. Uh, what is important, uh, the concern, the main concern about the cluster munition is that is its impact on the civilians. Um, and the cluster munitions that are being sent now are the ones with more precision and higher chance of explosion on impact. And that's important because, because oftentimes these, uh, this munition doesn't explode and that affects the civilians after the war or uh, in, in civilian population. Um, so there is this misconception, general misconception about the current state of the war and, and the kind of munition that is being sent. And um, we've, we've heard the White House actually make a statement and clarify that understanding the um, concerns, clarify that uh, the munition that is being sent is, is for particular purpose to be used on the battlefield because uh, they cannot substitute some of the munition, current munition other for, for other weapons that is running low, low uh, to support the uh, 
Ukrainian counteroffensive. It's it's there's nothing uh, special or unique about the munition that is being sent to Ukraine. It's not necessarily a new weapon, and it will not change anything or drastically affect the civilian population to more extent to to a bigger extent, larger extent. And it's interesting, um, you know, just how, as you say, cluster bombs are in fact um, just. You know, cluster ammunition is being misinterpreted, but it'll be interesting to also unpack and look at exactly what all of this means. And as you say, the impact on civilians. But thank you so much for your time, Dennis. I do appreciate it. And as we look at the story, of course, it's going to be the big po- talking point. You've seen it even on social media with some of the pictures. A lot of people, um, you know, deducing quite a lot from those pictures that you would be seeing Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, alone there with all the other world leaders and a lot of people making out what they were with those but uh, that was Dennis River a security researcher with the Institute for Security Studies